Oh, how's it going, everyone? My name's Kyle. I surf, I make movies, and I love asking questions. These are conversations with fascinating people I meet along the way. And this episode is with Leah Dawson. Leah is a professional surfer, originally from Florida, now living on the North Shore. And she will make you want to go surfing. She oozes with inspiration. And I really enjoyed talking with her. If you like this podcast, head over to my website, kyle.surf, and click the donate button. If you give even just a buck a month, you will be entered into a monthly raffle where I give away all kinds of gear from my surf sponsors, including Patagonia Provisions, Sector 9 Skateboards, and RPM Fitness. We just did our first month's giveaway, and we're going to be doing another one this next month. Hope you enjoy this conversation with my homegirl, Leah Dawson. Kyle Cameron here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. Who are you trying to reach when you are making um, a post directly related to women surfing? Sure. Um, My goal is to inspire, first and foremost, the teenage age. Um, Girls that are 12, girls that are 17, even into their early 20s, we're so malleable at that age. Right. And and we're really just trying to fit in. And we're really trying to fit in. It's a really awkward time where we don't know what to believe. We don't quite know how to form our own beliefs um, and decide what it is that we resonate with. Right. Because um, there's... Um, it's such a clicky age. It's such a clicky like, age. Like it's, it weir- it's weird yeah. thinking back to that age where you have these little groups of five or six and then if you deviate from the norm all of a sudden you're a pariah yeah and your whole life is gone until you then like find a new little crew that you identify with more and then you're just trying to fit in or figure out who you know ultimately trying to figure out who you are through this um really kind of vicious uh, vicious schoolyard rules that uh that you need to abide by yeah it's it's scary i i was just saying yesterday uh to my boyfriend's parents i don't miss being a teenager those were anxious years um but for all the people that are teenagers now uh it's a it's a different world because now we have such a, a vast influence um and we really have to it's up to us of what we choose to allow ourselves to see what we're interested in what we choose to read and then we have to discern whether or not that's true or false right um there's a lot for teenagers to to decide on and their their influence is coming from all ends of the spectrum right we don't think about it as a big decision when we decide who to follow on instagram no but the amount that most of us check that app throughout the day is having 
it's like a little chip and every time it's just chipping away at your mind and it's just chipping away at your mind and it's chipping away and it's ultimately forming the person that you will become in some small ways whether or not you know it oh definitely i know my life has changed significantly from using this little app how so um well i started looking at instagram i remember the very first comment i read on a girl had posted or written a comment on a surf photo that i had posted this was like three or four years ago um and she said love your love the surfing that's why i follow you and that struck me and i'm like that's that's why i need that's the voice that's the purpose i i have a clear channel and a clear path to inspire people and not it's not my thoughts and my beliefs that i'm trying to impart on people um i see it as a platform to engage people to think for themselves um, and maybe inspire them through what I'm posting visually and with my words. But uh, so if you had one message, let's say that you could give a talk um, to a class of um, 15 girls uh, who are freshmen in high school, what would that message be to them? Um. And they love surfing. Sure. They're Um, they're interested in the beach. They're interested in the ocean. Beauty is innate. Beauty is inside. I think for a long time, um, or I I think all over the world, we've been taught to believe that, you know, for for women, beauty is in what we wear and how we put on our makeup and the shoes that we use and the car that we drive. And um, no, beauty beauty is free (laughs) and uh it lives on the inside i think and um for girl surfers that are growing up in this time where um the sexualization of women has become the norm in our industry it's extremely powerful for the women that uh know that beauty is on the inside to express that right and to be advocates for that um for for setting a higher moral standard you know whenever i post something i go okay is this okay for a 15 year old to look at does that inspire her okay what if her mom looks at it is she gonna be okay with it and what about grandma right I don't want to appeal just to a tiny portion. I want to appeal to everyone. And if people don't like it, that's fine. We're all entitled to our own opinion and our own feeling, but um, the goal is to be as uh, appealing to everyone as possible and not to to limit my my reach because of my beliefs right well it seems like the goal also is just to to provide another perspective sure really just in itself just to to let young girl surfers know that there is another way to go about it with other than going out and wearing a g-string and trying to do a 360 air it's it's challenging you know especially on the north shore we see it a lot i think i think um 
showing skin is a lot more embedded into the culture here in Hawaii. Um, but I've traveled um, extensively in the last few years and seen a lot of girl surfers and um, it's challenging when you see a 14 year old girl paddling out next to her dad and her dad's checking out her butt yeah um or when you see a 12 year old girl wearing a g-string because that's what she thinks that she has to do in order to become a professional female surfer right and that breaks my heart because it's gone from it's gone from the opposite of like before Blue Crush, um, women surfing was a very, um, it was a sporty sport. You know, the, the women on top, it was. It, Who were the women on top before then? Um, Lane Beachley. Rochelle Ballard. Rochelle Ballard. Um, Sofia Milanovic won a title um, around that time. Um, Keala Kennelly was on tour. Um, it was a it was a very sporty sport and then after blue crush came along uh things changed and it became it totally did a 180 were you were you on the north shore when blue crush no came out? no it was right before i came out here okay yeah but you saw a difference in the mindset very of much women so surfing. It, not just in the mindset, but in the marketing. I think more so than anything, I saw a shift in the marketing. Um, it became utilizing female surfers as um, sex tools, not to as sex symbols, maybe, and, mm. and utilizing um, the female figure to, um, I think, in part sell more board shorts than bikinis. Hmm, how so? Well, I don't know is rip curl trying to sell bikinis or board shorts when they're running an ad of a, a girl surfer and no clothes pretty much right well i i mean would you say that it's the the numbers on the men's side of apparel they're just crush the women's side and the women's are more of that like if you buy our men's board short you'll be able to get a girl like this is that i think what you're trying to say yeah i think it's um it might, it could be dual marketing, but I think it's more marketing towards the men than it is marketing towards the women. Because right. at, at least in my circle and of the women that I know of, not many women are really appealed to lustful marketing. Right. Um, yeah, it is, it is marketing towards men for sure. Yeah. Um, but in that same sense, it's left... Um, this entire world of lifestyle and soulful women surfing without a voice for the last 10 years. And then when social media came along, these voices seemingly came out of nowhere because they never had a place beforehand. Um, you know, you'd never see a, a soul surfer girl in a magazine. Right. Um, there are you know yeah well it's i mean it's no secret that um in both men's and women's surfing women's m much more heavily 
um, if you're quote unquote good looking, it's easier to get paid money to surf. Definitely. Right? Um, because you're not just selling the cutback, you're selling the lifestyle, you're you're selling a dream. Ultimately, yep. everyone who works in the surf industry is selling a dream for the person who lives out in Fresno at an office shop that they hate and their best part of their life is getting to come down to the ocean maybe once a week and to have those few moments of beauty in nature. Mm -hmm. So it's all it's all about selling that idea, sure. right? And the better that someone can sell an idea, the more worth it it is to for a company to pay them because ultimately being a professional surfer is um, in one way or another, being a glorified t-shirt salesman. Sure. Right? That's, yeah. why, that's why you're getting paid money um, yeah, if you are. Uh, um, I think... And there and there are companies that have stronger voices than others. Definitely. Um, there are companies that know who they are, and there are companies that are still kind of figuring it out. Um, and there, there are companies that have, I think, figured out a formula that isn't, um, you know, maybe in your eyes, ethical, but are able to make a, a ton of money doing it. Right, yeah. They're selling shirts and board shorts and some bikinis and... But you're seeing, but you, but you're seeing um, a huge response to yes. your message. Hugely, hugely. Um, I've, I think I've, I've come across uh, an entire community of surfers that... Um, hasn't been spoken to hasn't been catered to um not that they've been forgotten but there hasn't been much content there there's no movies there's you right, know who they can really feel like they can identify right, with right um because i'm one of those girl surfers that is looking <laughs> for that inspiration and um the more that I continue to fall in love with the art of uh, riding waves and of the entire lifestyle that comes along with it, um, the more I recognize that for most of the women that surf, they're not doing it to be cool. They're not doing it to try and impress people. They're doing it because it makes them feel good. And nowhere in the surf industry, in the marketing of women surfing, do you see that. Uh, it started to come, um, come alive, I think, in the last few years, um, especially with this company that I'm working with now called the SIA. Uh, they've really stuck true to their moral standard and their moral values of showing the woman in a plastic manner with respect. Um, and I think that they're, they've seen great success and they've just been growing and growing and growing because of that, because they're offering finally a voice to this part of the surfing community that's been unspoken for. Um, and through social media, I have a whole magazine that I can give to people. You know, it's like, our, we have our own daily channel that we can express to um, to whoever it is that follows us and hopefully more will. Right. Do you ever have um, discussions with some of the top female pro surfers who um, you might say are objectifying themselves? Um, <laughs> I 
I think I've I've had a few conversations. I, I don't I wouldn't necessarily um, I'm not in the inner circle very much of uh, the professional women's surfing side. I have had conversations with with like Paige and um, Courtney and a few of of the other girls, Carissa, and I read a lot what they have to say and. Um, well, I'll, let me take yeah, that stance sure. and, and you can respond to that. Sure. So I am a high-paid uh, girl surfer who yeah. is sexy and I love wearing G-strings. And I say to you, look, this is my self-expression. There are parts in the world, um, parts of the world like the Middle East where women aren't even allowed sure. to show their bodies. This is my expression. And if I want to sexualize myself and if I want to show my body, in all of its beauty, um, what's the problem with that? Um, I don't know that there's an innate problem with it. I don't have a problem with it. I have an issue that it has become the only way um, that the norm is that you have to sh- to utilize your beauty and utilize your your outer expression to be able to gain success. Um, I think what it has done is allowed it to become okay within the surfing industry to continue to exploit um, the sexualization of females. Uh, It wasn't, it's, it's been in, in marketing. Lust has been in marketing and all, you know, in fashion and, um, and, in every realm that's trying to sell something, you know, sex sells. Um, but it doesn't have to. I think there's a higher paradigm uh, that we can uh, strive for and reach for that will be much more successful, too. Um, yeah, well, you're seeing that right now with, yeah. with a lot of the surf industry going into the shitter and companies that have that higher ethos and really know who they right. are um, rising to the top. Yeah, I, I mean, Patagonia... Um, is thriving right now. And uh, you look at the other companies that have not, don't even know what their values are, right. that are searching for them and trying to copy because they don't know, they don't have it inherently like in their Inside DNA. Them, yeah. yeah. Um, and we're seeing it a lot with Sia now too. Like they make these beautiful suits that have um, skin coverage and now, uh, you know, all the all the other main companies are starting to make the exact same things. Isn't it funny how much a company really is like a person? Oh, yeah. Like, there's this whole problem, like, one of the big problems that we have today in the world is that a corporation is legally a person. person. But in terms of marketing, how much it is that we just want to hang out with a person who we like or a yep. person who we respect and yep. how much the companies who have those stronger values... Mm then are succeeding sure it's really it's just a weird um kind of way to think about it yeah it it um it's a great juxtaposition for what's happening in our world right now which to me it's encouraging because if companies like patagonia and sia are thriving and are growing then that means that there's more people um caring and with a uh an affinity towards morality, yeah. um, they really 
uh, they'd much rather spend a hundred bucks on something that they know came from a good place and with good intentions than to spend 50 bucks on something that's probably going to fall apart. Right. Um, you also, um, not in more than just the way that you, um, talk about the way that women can represent themselves, um, on the outside, I, you surf, um, a lot different than most women um, surf. Uh, yeah, maybe, <laughs> I guess. Um, I think I, once I discovered um, riding cool old school single fins, my surfing really evolved. I came from a background of, of competitive longboarding. Um, and growing up in Florida, I had to ride um, every kind of board if if you wanted to surf all the time you had to ride long boards and uh if the waves ever got big enough to shortboard you'd shortboard um so i had this really well-rounded um knowledge of how to move my feet on a board and how to turn and whatnot um but then when i moved to hawaii and and after spending about five six years on the north shore starting to get tuned into more powerful waves um then I found these single fins and it, I started kind of reverting back and going, okay, I don't know what my style, if five, six years ago, if you tried to ask me what my style was, I couldn't tell you because I didn't, I didn't know what it was. I didn't have anything that um, I wanted to try and do. I thought I was just trying to hit the lip and um, right. Well, you know, I mean, get I'll, I'll stroke your ego for a second <laughs> by the way that when I say you you don't surf like most girls is that you don't surf like you're trying to surf like a guy no why would i want to do that <laughs> it was just a completely new concept I, to me i know and when i realized that i'm going oh because women's longboarding i think is very beautiful um you know you ride a heavy log and it's like dancing on water um i think women's longboarding is just as beautiful to watch as as men's longboarding um or even more so um but when i started applying that to the other ways and the other boards that i surfed um i i began realizing like no one no one is surfing um like they're trying to dance there there are people for sure um break dancing break dancing um but like out here on the North Shore, it's we've only had the influence of trying to tear apart a wave. Rel Sun, you know, really blazed her own path, and she she was a a woman's woman, um, and she wasn't exploited for her sex. She was appreciated for her femininity. Um, and if I'm seeking and striving for anything, it's for for that respect of um what she was as a woman to come back into full steam uh in the women's surf industry um so if if i'm an advocate for anything it's it's that but i i look at the way that rel surfed and um for me any video or still photo that i see of her it's so easy to see that she's in love with the ocean and so that became the main part of my surfing was just slow everything down stop trying to do maneuvers stop trying to do the turn of the century and just enjoy the wave and see what happens from there slow everything down um and then i started 
realizing that if I used my knees and my hips um, in a different way that I could really start moving like a woman instead of having the, you know, the common butt sticking out bottom turn thing that a lot of us women get um, trained to do trained to do I guess because we're trying to hit the lip I don't I don't really quite know where it came from um, but I do know that there is uh, a way that women many ways that women can surf uh, that enhance our beauty um, and gosh my my favorite female surfers are, are Steph and, and Carissa. And I wouldn't say that they're surfing like a guy when they surf. They surf powerfully and they surf fluidly and they surf absolutely amazing. And they're my favorite to watch. Um, do I think that there's other ways that we can surf? Yes. Have you ever seen Steph on a single fin? Oh, she surfs. I wish she could surf a single fin in every contest because it's just that beautiful. Um, but the mainstream uh, has no idea what that looks like. Um, and the mainstream has never really seen female surfing the way that it can be. And that's, that's where I'm trying to get with my surfing is go, okay, let go of any expectation of what I'm trying to do. And now that I have years and years of technical experience knowing where my feet are on my board knowing what the wave is going to do predicting what the wave is going to do um thank goodness i'm now to this point where i can really start allowing my body to play with it um, right and letting go of it seems like there's an element of unlearning yes yes wiping everything away so let's say that uh a young talented 15 year old girl comes to you and she says i um you know, have been trained my whole life yeah. to surf this one certain way. Yeah. And I'm falling out of love with surfing and I need your help. See it. Yep. Um, I need your help to to fall back in love with this. Yeah. And um and I love the way that you surf. Yeah. What would the first few um lessons look like? Ride a different board. Ride every different board. Ride anything that you can get your hands on. Um, I think the coolest part of surfing is that there is an endless, uh, an endless amount of boards and creative designs that we can ride. And it, it doesn't have to be the same. You can ride a different wave um, and you can ride a different board on that different wave or change the fins out a little bit or shift the fin just a little bit. Um, but I've found that changing things up when things start to feel dry and a little static, change it up. And then, uh, our adaptation and the figuring out of something new brings that, that feeling of, of rawness back to it. Um, like we're, it's not like we're, we're learning new things, but it's just this constant discovery of, of newness of the way that we can move with the ocean. Um, yeah, I, I definitely say forget trying to do maneuvers and just stand there and feel good. 
look at the wave. I've, I've this winter <laughs> has been um, as I've reflected back on the waves that I've caught. Um, all of my best waves, I can remember looking at the wave, and that's it. Just watching the lip as I'm riding is my favorite thing to do because it's just um, a celebration of that time and um, the speed and the, the power that you can feel on the wave as you're appreciating it all at once. Time slows down um, and then you just become a part of the wave. You stop thinking about what you're doing and you're just a part of it. And that feels so good to be part of Mother Nature's moving energy uh, with, with awareness. Because there's a, there's a difference I've found with myself when I am in gratitude and when I'm surfing from an ego state and just, ah, oh, more waves, more waves, and not really thinking of... of just how special that is yeah and it's really easy especially um i mean we're recording this uh about a stone's throw away from rocky point yeah and it's really easy in a place like this to feel not good enough oh I yeah mean, this for is sure this is the hollywood of surfing yep and you could be very beautiful and you could go to hollywood and still feel not enough oh she'll smack you down she'll smack that you down rocky point yeah yeah i was out there and there was a 14 year old surfing better than me oh and, always and it was <laughs> definitely had to swallow my ego ego <laughs> yeah it's, but, uh, but but that's it right is if yeah. is as soon as you start playing your own game mm. right and as soon as you start uh leaning on your strengths mm. and your passions then you'll see this kind of wild success that you won't see if you're trying to play someone else's game. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I think for the longest time, I was like, I just, I, I really want a shot at being a pro surfer, uh, but I don't know how to do that. Do I longboard? Do I shortboard? How am I going to fit into this mold? I don't feel like I'm a, you know, in my 20s, in my teens, I was really awkward. In my early 20s, I felt just as awkward. Um, and now I'm 30. I know I'm still awkward, but I'm okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and, and that's great. Now it's, uh, there's always going to be someone that's, that's, uh, maybe more talented or progressing or doing different things. But um, I think the beauty is when comparison drops away and when we go, ah, everything is awesome. You're great. You're great. You're great. I'm great. This is all great. All right. So bring me into the conversation that would happen inside of your head in your early 20s. Yeah when you would feel not enough? What did that actually sound like? Um, or when you would just be getting anxiety? Yeah. Oh, sure. I would fall on a wave and come up and smack the water and then have the conversation in my head that, no, you don't have what it takes to be a pro surfer. You're not good enough. Um, definitely not beautiful enough. Um, got a lot of work to do, but that dream's still alive. That dream's inside. I, I always knew it um, in my early 20s somehow that I was going to have 
um, a career in surfing. Um, and I kept telling my mom, like, I, j- I don't want to give up on this dream. And she's like, you don't have to compete in order to be a surfer. You can still surf. And I thought that her telling me that I didn't have to compete anymore was me giving up on my dream. Um, and then finally, I read a book about non-judgment. And I go, oh my God, I'm being judged for the very thing that I love the most in the world. What was that book? Do you remember? Um, it was a Deepak Chopra book. Um, I read, there was quite a few. There was one, Conversations with God, that talked about um, uh, dropping comparison and that there's no real need to to compare things and that everything just is. Um, and so, yeah, in the span of like from 22 to about 23, 24, I completely lost my desire to um, separate myself and to compare myself, to judge myself. I didn't want to judge others anymore, so why would I want my surfing to be something that's judged? Um, If people want to judge it on their own and make their own ideas about it, great. Power to them. But I didn't want to lose sleep anymore for for trying to be the best. Um, so now bring me into the conversation that happens inside your head yeah. now when you fall in that same wave. I get up and laugh. Um, but there's still, it, it, there's they, gotta, oh, oh. I mean, you're, you've gotten very good at what you do. There's, <laughs> sure. there's still something, right? Oh, definitely. Um, I think for any athlete, the, um, the goal of progression has to be there in order to have it stay alive. Um, the, the goal of bettering yourself and of, of expanding, um, I like to, to um, compare it to like com- expanding your sight, what it is that you see. What's your, what's your perspective? 10 years ago, my perspective was a whole lot smaller than what it, what it is now and what I see in the ocean, what I'm feeling in the ocean. Now it's, it's a lot more of, uh, of an internal conversation that I'm having with the ocean. Um, I really like to talk to the ocean. What do those conversations sound like? Um, it's just expressing gratitude. It's almost like a, a prayer. Um, it's all, it's, sometimes it's not even words that form in my mind. It's just... Uh, it's staring at the sea as you're paddling back out and going, oh my God, it happened to me today. I like literally had to stop paddling because the idea of like paddling in this great expanse of this sea of like this watery substance that I somehow after 27 years of being in the ocean, I feel so comfortable amongst this totally unpredictable place. Um, The magic of the ocean uh i think yeah i just i stay in the in the conversation of going this is so cool um this is really amazing what can i learn from this and and a lot of times it's it's when i slip back into the ego mind of um like oh that guy burned me or uh, you know you <laughs> <bastard>! <laughs> yeah um <laughs> And then it's 
flicking back in going wait no get a hold of your ego you're out here for love and that's it you're not out here for your ego like get out of here if you're out here for that um so i think i've i've done um seems like you've practiced it a lot i've practiced it a lot i've 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 become really aware of the of the internal conversation that i'm having with myself when i'm in the ocean you know i um i was just having a conversation with uh my friend justin lee who's yep. um, a fantastic free diver and i was asking him if he gets the um diaphragm spasm feeling when he's wow. holding his breath at 170 feet spearing oh. a fish and he's like, you know, I don't really get it. And we were with um, another friend of his who who also represents the United States for spearfishing. And he said, you know, I I get it sometimes, but it's so faint now wow. that it doesn't really affect me. And it goes back to what you're saying is that the more you practice something, that diaphragm spasm and what for me now when I'm underwater 30 or 40 feet and I'm going... Ooh. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm going to die. Has subsided so much that it's like this distant calling wow. for them that they barely yeah. even notice. Yeah. It it does become unnoticeable until you like are asked to think about it and you go, oh, yeah, okay. I guess that is the way it is. But the more that we tune into... Um, observing our thoughts. Observing our thoughts. Uh, it seems to be that, that that's, you know, been the purpose of, of life in so many ancient cultures too is is really getting down to a point where we can find stillness. Um, and I'm sure that that comes um, really powerfully in the world of, of free diving where you have to be so mentally on it in order to survive. Um, surfing has those moments. You know, you, you can get lost, especially if you're out waiting waiting for a wave and it's long waits you can definitely um your mind can can wander um but a lot of times especially surfing in hawaii you have to be on it you know you can't let your your internal conversation get the best of you and then catch a 10-foot wave on the set yeah or on the head there's a lot of power there's a lot of power uh the consequences are large when you're sleeping in this house yeah it shakes it when there's a big literally swell. does shake yeah it's really really awesome the other day like my computer just had a shake oh man that was a good one <laughs> ocean just being like yep still here Hello. hey I'm always in charge i'm, I'm always here <laughs> always not going away yeah what uh what drew you to moving out to the north shore um, I was going to the University of Hawaii um, studying creative media. Um, I moved from Orlando, Florida when I was 18. Um, and I, So you grew up in Orlando? I grew up in Orlando. Whoa. Yeah, surfing uh, on the weekends. My parents had a beach house um, near Sebastian Inlet. So we'd go weekend warrior every weekend pretty much. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, an amazing childhood. My parents absolutely loved the ocean um, and instilled that love and appreciation for it um more than anything else um, yeah and it it was both their their dreams to own a house so when i was seven um they bought their dream beach house and we had it for 10 years and we loved it so much and there was never a hurricane and then 
six months after we sold it, the thing got destroyed. Whoa. Yeah. It was almost like I, I saw, and that was when I was 17, 18. So I really saw um, how much good energy can fill spaces. And um, when you put love and intention into things. What was that house like? Oh, it was so cool. The two-story um, house that only had two bedrooms. It was like large playrooms. We had a a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game in it. Um, turtles in a half shell. Turtles in a half shell. Cowabunga. Cowabunga. Um, <laughs> but it was it was great. It was right on the beach. Um, I I actually cleaned the windows here at my house yesterday because I walked in and it was my dad's birthday yesterday, and I had this vision of him cleaning the windows at our beach house. My parents cleaned the windows every day that we were there because my mom's like, we didn't come all the way down here to look out cloudy windows. So I cleaned my windows yesterday. But um, but yeah, we were right on the beach and I learned what salt does to things. And I learned that waves come and go and that tide changes everything. And, um, and I fell in love with the ocean. Um, it wasn't always, I didn't think when I was, when I was a kid that I um, wanted to necessarily pursue professional surfing. I think it was more basketball. Um, <laughs> it was basketball in like middle school for some reason. Uh, but then I blew my ankle out, uh, thank goodness. And um, my doctor was like, no more that's basketball. That, that's that gratitude yeah. mind talking. I yeah. broke my ankle, yeah, thank, thank God. God. <laughs> Um, but then, yeah, I, I, I dove into, into serving. So when it came time to apply for college, um, my brother was stationed out here in the Navy and I'm like, mom, dad, if he's out there, you know, you could visit two and one, you wouldn't have to go to different places. So they let me apply and I got in and it was a lot cheaper than the other schools that I had applied for. And, um, but it just felt right. I, I felt like I needed to be here. So I lived in town for the first three years that I was going to school. And that was the first time that I ever lived by the ocean. And I was a dog in heaven. I surfed every day, um, all day, as much as I could. Um, I skipped class for the first time ever. Um, it was only chemistry class that I would skip because the class was so far over my head that it w- there was really no point in me being there anyways. Um, yeah, like, I'm more into biology. <laughs> yeah. I'm going surfing. <laughs> I, I can't get it anyways. Um, so yeah, I really started to... And at that time, I was competing on the world longboarding. Uh, we didn't have a tour, but it was like one contest a year. And um, I really, at that time, wanted to be a, a world champion. I thought that that's... That was um, what my ticket would be in order to allow me to have a surfing career. So I put my eggs into that basket, and I I was a high performance longboarder. You're a high performance longboarder. Oh yeah, because that was in competition. That was the only way to go. Because really, women's longboarding. Oh yeah, is still to this day. Still to this day is about high performance longboarding. Hitting the lip. It's fifty fifty. So fifty percent traditional, fifty percent progressive, but. When you know the winner every year was was not even hanging ten, um, but doing awesome cutbacks, um, it made it uh, it made it challenging and it kind of divided 
there you know there's still a huge division within the world of longboarding between people that strictly just want to ride single fins and logs and yeah. people that want to ride yeah, Joel Tudor's a big advocate of sure. that right yeah yeah and he's you know created a whole contest series around around that um, I'm not a longboarder so this might be strictly yeah. ignorance but sure. the idea of trying to do high performance maneuvers on a longboard um, just seems counterproductive to me yeah yeah because there are boards called short Short boards that are meant to do that and there are a lot of people who have put a lot of time into figuring out the craft that you can do those maneuvers on most effectively yeah so what's what's the what's the appeal to that i think it's it's in because I I have a friend from Santa Cruz who's a really good high performance longboarder. Yeah, and I always tell him like, dude, get on a shortboard. You yeah. would surf so, so well. Um, but he loves riding his longboard. Oh yeah, and doing laybacks. Yeah, I was there. I was there. But what's yeah? Um, I think what do you the, think that is? I think the appeal is that you can do two and one kind of, but it's um. To me, I lost interest in it because um, it almost felt like cheating. You can catch the waves <laughs> a lot easier. Uh, you can nose ride a whole lot easier. And, um, you know, you can ride bigger waves than you normally would. Like, I don't know. That's how I started riding big waves out on the North Shore was I was just, you know, a naive little girl paddling right. in on her surf tech longboard. Right. Um but in a sense it did allow me to get comfortable in bigger surf without having um the right equipment i guess now you know now i would never never paddle out on a longboard on an eight foot day at haleiva um but so so then so you're going to school yeah so i went to school and i was competing um and then my senior year i decided that i was going to move to the north shore and i did um and i commuted to school and i went and got my degree and i finished college um and i was still high performance longboarding at that time um uh but then right after i graduated um i started uh shooting the triple crown and i got a job as a camera operator um through a i was a mentor of mine mike prickett um yeah he got me a job first as a as a production assistant and then they needed a camera operator and i was like put me in coach please 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 i remember seeing you yeah. when i would go to the pipe masters and you'd yeah. have your headphones on oh and you'd yeah have the big camera yeah so i've been doing that this was my ninth season I'm like i'm not that old i can't have nine years of a career already um but yeah it it um came right into my lap um and then I had to decide um, the next year whether or not I was going to compete in World Longboard Championships in China or if I was going to shoot and work and make money. Um, and even though the prize purse was was pretty good, I knew that I could guarantee myself making making money by working. And every time that I ever did a contest with the money in mind, I always lost out first round. Right. I never did good. Yeah. 
that never, tend, that never tends to be good. a theme for athletes. Yeah. Oh, I just started having fun and let go of it all, and then yeah. I won a world title. Okay, great. Right. Yeah. Um, it's so rarely like I was stressed out. I was thinking about the fr- prize purse in yeah. the last five minutes, and then the wave and came then, to oh, me. Thank God I can pay my bills. Right. So, uh, so you decided to continue yeah. to work as a shooter. Yep. And um, and but that was really at a, at a crux in my in my surfing life and my idea of what a surf career um, opportunity could be for me um, because I was letting go of this dream of being a world champion um, and that felt good actually because um, I no, no longer felt stressed um, like I had to prove something in my surfing um, I could have surfing solely just for me again um, so it really um, allowed I think my surfing to blossom um, being here on the North Shore um, gave I, you the liberty to y- ride different boards yeah, surf yeah. the wave in different ways exactly and, and kind of become the surfer that has now defined you definitely um, I had an opportunity to move into Rochelle Ballard's house she had a house at Sunset um, and for I think four or five seasons winter seasons I lived at her place was she there oh yeah yeah wow. she she took me under her wing and she taught me how to pull in at sunset she taught me how to cook how to clean how to do yoga uh, my mom's like you should probably name your first child after her because she really helped you out that's not a bad mentor yeah oh yeah she's she's absolutely amazing and um you know really really forged the path for for female barrel riding um she was the first woman over here that really like put in time at off the wall and back door and pipe and um her her skill set just was so phenomenal or still is so phenomenal um and something that we don't really um see a lot in women surfing um those like really thick chargers and she's in such a small body too it's amazing to see firecracker oh my god um but yeah so those those years living at rochelle's house were so formative um for me i um that's no out stop using the horn horning um yeah so at rochelle's house she's like oh yeah i've got some single fins here you can try them out and that was the first time really where i took out a shortboard single fin i took it out at sunset and i fell in love i'm oh this is what i'm meant to be doing this is the type of surfing that i want do you remember that session yeah what was what were the waves like it was pumping it was like six to eight foot um and i was riding a six six uh stu kinson joel tudor single fin um and i pulled into some of the biggest barrels it was perfect sunset too just lining up on the inside bowl just kegging barrels um and i pulled in a few times she's like you can't just pull in and stand there you gotta pump oh okay (laughs) but yeah it was it was her coaching me from where to sit um to just how to how to read the lineup and um 
but it wasn't ever like oh dude it wasn't technical on on how to ride the wave it was just a lot of positioning and and whatnot um i think the the riding really came i remember um doing my first so large bottom turn at lani akea and it was on this like surf tech six four bear single fin and my friend saw it and she's like whoa that was a sick turn and i'm like yeah that was a donovan frankenrider turn <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh gosh i um i wish that I, I had i had um watched a lot more old school surfing footage when i was younger what's uh what are some of your favorites um Morning for someone, of, for someone who's yeah. trying to unlearn. Yeah. Uh, Morning of the Earth. Just put it on repeat. Keep it going. Yeah. I had someone, I was in Bali for my first time, and I had a really magical session at Karama's um, on a cool new single fin that I had just gotten. And um, I came out of the water, and I was walking up the beach, and some Aussie guys were like, do you watch Morning of the Earth every morning before you go surf? <laughs> like... Uh, like, yeah, that's the best compliment I've ever gotten well, in my life. at that life. point, I hadn't ever seen the film. Oh, you hadn't? But I said yes anyways. I'm like, yeah, for sure. And, and then I, you went like, and rented it. I went and rented it, and I'm like, oh my God, I want to surf like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Michael Peterson, I I could surf like him. But really, um, Jerry Jerry Lopez is, if I could surf like anyone, um, that that's the goal. That's the goal. Why? Um because it looks fluid it doesn't look forced um uh, you know his surfing was all about the soul and um i think the world needs those people in surfing again um and especially in women's surfing um we need that very graceful approach again what um i'm sure there are many but uh you're good friends with Jerry now. Yeah. What uh, have been some of the most formative um, things that he's ever said to you? Um, I remember we were sitting at Uluwatu watching surfers trying to schwack it, <laughs> and he um, was like, "I don't, I don't understand why so many surfers are so." Um, focused on doing maneuvers before they can even just stand there like the first time i ever saw myself on on footage on camera um i hated it <laughs> and he's like i changed the way i was surfing because i was hot dogging i was trying to do things um so after that point i slowed everything down um and that really resonated with me that I was on the path that I wanted to be on of trying to simplify my surfing and to um, make it so that if any moment was captured, it'd be beautiful. Um, and so bringing hyper awareness to body placement and to where I have my hands, where I have my hips, where my head's looking, um, where my feet are on the board. Um, that conversation really sparked um, an acute awareness. Yeah, that was a good body. point. How there are some surfers who can um, get one 
moment captured of them that's beautiful in a series of photos. Sure. And then there are some surfers um, who can have the entire sequence of photos look beautiful. Yeah. And I think that that relates to whether or not you're doing maneuvers. For example, if you watch Mick Fanning drop into a wave and do a bottom turn and all the way up into an arcing turn, every single one of those photos is so precise yeah. and beautiful. Yeah. And it's because of that body awareness, that hyper mm. awareness of, of making those smaller circles. And I'm sure he spent a lot of time thinking about how yeah. to do that bottom turn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's really... Um Taking the time to put awareness into uh, detail, right? And it takes time. It, I'm I'm still working on where I put my hands and um, and my hips and I'm you know when I do a, a front side cutback, I'm not happy with my back arm. I'm really working on that. Um, <laughs> but it's it's kind of a show of the times too. Now you know you see kids that every single session someone's filming them and then they go back and watch it um and they're literally studying it like football um and we see it um you know evolving kids are are doing crazy tricks by 12 now um you know tricks that i won't ever do and i know that and i'm okay with that I've, you know, I've had to come to terms with it that I'm not going to do a 360. I, I, I was having to come to some serious <laughs> terms this morning at Rocky Point. Um, but uh, I think I think there's um, an opportunity for for kids to find all sorts of different inspiration and to take it and become. Um, creative in their in their own ways um there doesn't have to be just one way that we can ride a wave and we're seeing that more and more now you know alternative surf craft is really a booming business um but i think in in a big scheme there's a, a lot of different ways that surfers can grow as people too um Right, you're together. doing you're doing a lot outside of the water too right now. Um, that's the that's the goal. Yeah, Tell yeah. Me a little bit about that. Um, a few of my girlfriends and I started a foundation uh, in 2016 last year um, called the Changing Tides Foundation, um, and our goal is to inspire and give ways uh, to travelers to give back as they travel. Um, in uh, what ways? Um, well, our goal is to inspire new ways and creative ways for travelers um, wherever it is that they're traveling to. So whether it's bringing water filters down um, so that people can have the gift of clean water that we all so deserve. Um, you know, it's the number one thing killing people on our planet is dirty water. Um, so we, uh, we do clean water drives and um, we're working right now with a, an amazing nonprofit called Give and Surf, uh, which is based in Bocas del Toro in Panama. And they've been teaching young boys how to surf um, in their community. And we proposed to them that we want to teach young girls how to surf. Um, but they said, well, the girls don't know how to swim yet. And so now we're going to go and, and we're raising money right now. Um, and the goal is first to teach these girls how to swim. Um, 
with the money that we raise and the infrastructure that we can put together. And then we'll take them on to SUP and then we'll get them into surfing. Um, so, but the, the idea of giving back, um, for me, I want to continue to grow in the ways that uh, we can give back and to be creative. How can we make these people's lives better? If I'm going on a surf trip all the time and I'm just going and using the waves and then leaving, it's not nearly as fulfilling as it could be as going and getting waves and then going and helping give life to people. Um, and I've heard that feels good. Yeah. Yeah. Theoretically. Theoretically. (laughs) Um, so where can people check that out if they're interested? uh, We're at changingtidesfoundation.org. Um, and, uh, online or on Instagram at, at changingtidesfoundation. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. I think we're really just in baby steps right now. Um, we're in, um, what I'd like to call our Intel stage of, uh, right now, we're any any traveler that reaches out to us saying, "How can we help?" Um, we're asking them to go and get information wherever they're going. What's going on on the ground? What needs? What What do people need? Um, yeah, there's rarely a one size fits all for everyone yeah, in the world. No, I'm, clean water. Water is one of those. Water things. is one of those things. Um, but trash seems to be a big issue. Um, everywhere. Yeah. You know, we, we don't know how to get rid of things that don't disintegrate. Yeah. Um, those plastic bags. Those plastic bags aren't free. No, and they'll be here long after you're gone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're really wanting to collect information right now so that we can, um, continue to formulate different ways that we can be creative to help make people's lives better. Awesome. And where can people get in touch with you? Um, uh, at Leah Loves on Instagram, you can direct message me if you want. Um, yeah, and I've I've kind of geared my channels. I've I've let go of my of my other websites and and I'm let's keep it simple. Yeah, I'm trying to great keep, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Yeah, um, a theme from this conver- through this conversation. Yeah, simplicity is bliss. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. If you like this podcast and have two minutes, I would be grateful if you gave it a rating on iTunes. Some of you have been confused on the way to do this and asked that I give you a walkthrough of it. So what you're going to do is you're going to go to the search button on your iPhone. Boom. Type in the Kyle Tierman Show. Boom. Click the Kyle Tierman Show. Even if you're on it already, you still need to do this because it's going to take you to a different page. Click that. Then it's going to take you to my page where there is a button that says details, reviews, and related. You're going to click reviews, and then you're going to write one and say, this podcast sucks. Never listen to it. Or you're going to give it five stars. All right. Have a great day. See you soon.